listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. What's up, Kelly? Hey, babe. How's it going? Pretty good. I mean, I was trying to record this without a shirt on, and then you made me put clothes on because you said I'm not professional. So here how am I, I am, to, fully clothed, Kel dog. How, how am I supposed to concentrate <sighs> on my great doing out? our job with your titties just flopping around? Because they're perfect. Well, they are great tits. Well, one of them is anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the one that it, we will leave that up to. Uh, What's the name of my little tit that you called do we, do we have it? Does it have a name? Yeah, you called it something. I call, like I just, Juan or something. Juan? Hello, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> Only my little titty is Mexican. The rest of me is Swedish and Irish. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh man, babe, I'm so excited. This is our very first guest on the show. I know. She was great. I love Kat Meyer. Yeah, me too. She is a really special person. And this conversation was so fun to do with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We had a good time. Yeah. It was nice doing our first interview for this show too. It was. It felt good. Yeah, it did. I think that um, Dr. Kat Meyer, who is an LMFT and works with a lot of different clients in a variety of ways. She does holistic sex therapy. She hosts retreats. She does yoga. She really has a varied background, which I really appreciate about her because she can cover so many things. Super well-rounded. Yeah. She also hosts two podcasts, Erotically Wasted and Eat, Play, Sex. So make sure you guys check those out. But and that Eat, Play, Sex one, is that the... Or is the no, the it's Erotically, erotically Wasted. That's her five minute po- erotic poetry. Erotic poetry. So it'll get you yeah, in the mood, which oh, damn, we forgot to listen to it last night. We got to do that tonight. And we got to try it out. Get all dirty together. play it at dinner for everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. But this conversation was super cool because she just got back from Africa on a speaking tour. And so we really get into different cultural dynamics about sex and entrepreneurship and balancing the both um, and how you can really infuse sexuality, sensuality, openness, curiosity into your life. Yeah, it was rad. And she, she, she threw some curveballs. She did. There was some times in this podcast where I didn't really know, even this very rarely ever happens. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was like, that's, I had to gather my shit for a moment. Yeah, you did. Let me get it together. Okay, that was amazing. Let's yeah. keep moving now. She also went full therapist on us, which was really nice. I was divulging lots of yeah. personal things and she got to give us her hot takes on it, which I really appreciated. It was in, I, I was into it. And if you love this show, just remember, go to Apple Podcasts, give it a five-star review, and then uh, shoot a screenshot of that over to us on the gram. Yeah. If you send it to Connor, you'll get a mushroom playlist. If you send it to me, you'll get lots of different options. So there's so many things. We have so many gifts to give you. So many goodies. And don't forget to find Dr. Kat Meyer at Sex Love Yoga on Instagram and let her know how much you love this conversation because she is the best. She's so rad. Enjoy it, y'all. Bye. We're live, guys. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey. Fresh off the boat from Africa. Is Coming a on boat, home. a boat or a plane? I I'm mean, pretty sure it was a. I plane. hope that you took a plane. <laughs> I really do for your own sanity, because that would be a really long boat ride. How was your trip? <gasps> oh my god, it was so good. It was really, it was a whirlwind. Yeah. Let me be really honest. So this was a speaking tour, and I went through East Africa. Um, that's Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and then I was in the Middle East for Bahrain. And it was literally, I would fly in the morning, land speak at night, fly in the morning, speak at night, fly in the morning. I know, I know. Yeah. So it was really just a taste test through all of these countries, you know? (laughs) Had you ever been there before? Never. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just tried to glean as much as I could. I would like talk to my drivers and be like, tell me about the relationship culture here. And (laughs) and they'd be like, are you married or you have a family? And I'm like, no. And I would get back. They'd be like, Oh, you, Oh, something's wrong with you. Yeah, you I dirty American girl. Really? I know. No, seriously. Yeah. They were I like, why don't you, why don't you have kids? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to build my company, my, you know, career in my company. And they're like, children are blessings. You can have all of it at the same time. And I'm like, ah, you know, in our culture, it's a little bit different, you know, and it is. Yeah. 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 So I know that you were, someone reached out to you to go out there and speak. So what were you speaking on specifically in all these places? Yeah. So I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs. So everybody who's, you know, building their empires and that kind of thing. And um, talking to them about how to have a balance with their sex life and their business. Because oh shit, that's a trip. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for anybody, any of us who are entrepreneurs, we get it. You know, it's our entrepreneurs are our kids and we put all of our time and all of our energy into it. 
and sometimes to the expense of the people that we love, mm-hmm. you know, and then even our health and even our care and, and sex is oftentimes the first thing to go. Yes. Cause we're like, Oh, I don't have the energy for that. I'm too tired or that's a luxury or, you know, we've noticed that we're building a business together <laughs> and we have a new puppy and we're like, yeah, sex. No. <laughs> so good night. And he's sleeping on the couch with the puppy and I'm sleeping in the bed and then I'm getting up early and then we're running a company and doing podcasts. I'm like, what, yeah. like, what is, what's the point? Okay. I get it. So that's why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> You're like, Dr. Kat's talking about this. Let's have her on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what were you seeing as themes there with, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about differences in, um, sexuality and suppression in different cultures and what the messaging is. And then as well as being an entrepreneur, was it similar to America or were there differences you were seeing in the themes? I mean, both, right. You know, there's definitely the, the, the core human patterns that we have, you know, across the world. And those are things like, you know, certain messages that we receive from religion or from family that are saying, you know, um, you know, this is bad or this is something shameful or this is sinful or, or you don't talk about it to other people, um, similar to America or where we were, you know, even just a few years ago, it was more focused around men, uh, men's pleasure. And so, but now they were telling me how the younger generations, just like us are coming forward and becoming more progressive and talking about sex and becoming more positive around that. Now I have to distinguish because this depends on your social status. Mm. This depends on your race. This depends on, you know, how much access you have to other types of information, because I would be talking to my taxi driver and asking, I wasn't asking about sex, but I was asking about, you you know, like marriage and dating and that kind of thing. And, and, um, pretty much all of them, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, they were all telling me, you know, you're married by the age of 30 or something's wrong with you. You're having kids by the age of 30 or something's wrong with you. And I was like, Oh, that's how it was in the U S like 10 years ago, you know, but, um, and then even now just, I think with the, with the internet and then this is something interesting, how much other countries are influenced by what we're doing. Oh yeah. And so they have our Netflix and they have our, you know, they watch our popular or celebrities and, and they're influenced by that one, um, Bahrainian told me that, you know, it used to be that to be gay was illegal and that it was really looked down upon. But now since it was passed in the United States, that it was legal to be gay and Netflix now in all of their shows, they have at least one gay character. Right. It's become a lot more acceptable in Bahrain. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now it's not so much like, oh, that's disgusting. These are his words, not mine. But as um, something that is tolerable or even okay. You know, I think the media has had such an impact. I thought about this the other day. Because <laughs> growing up in a small like Texas town, right? You get the mm. same kind of gay is wrong. It's sinful. It's whatever, especially in the Bible belt. And I remember Will and Grace normalizing mm. gay men for me. Mm, yeah. I used to love Will and, I love Will and Grace. I was like 12. Yeah. <laughs> I was a kid. I did too. But it was, it's, it's, it was a fun, it was a fun show and it was funny and it didn't seem gross. It didn't seem bad. It, it was the first, it was like my first exposure to, cause I didn't have a lot of that in my now, of course, living in LA and Denver and Austin. Like that's, I remember going to Austin for the first time and seeing guys kiss for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I'd ever seen that. And I was probably 10 yeah. and, but I had had, you know, willing grace kind of warm me up. To the idea. <laughs> no, I had the same experience. I think it's, it's so interesting the way those small shifts in your perspective of what is and isn't okay. And you see that, Oh, they're human too. And Oh, mm-hmm. they're funny and they have jobs and they do. And especially when you're young or you're in a country where you don't have access to that and it just blows your world wide open and it shows you what's possible for you. And I, bet that you're speaking to or probably did that for a lot of people as well. Yeah, I think so. And, and what was really fascinating is how much we perceive other countries being a certain way because of the images we're receiving. Right. So like we get images of Africa and we see a lot of black African, you know, and yet when I showed up there, it was a mix of Indian. It was, it was um, Muslim. It was white. It was, you know, everyone, it was, it's a, a beautiful mix. 
And, and they even told me that they're like, Oh, you thought of, you know, coming to Kenya and being in the bush. And I was like, Oh yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> like, I thought we were going to be in like a giant gorgeous tent, you know, yeah. but no, but, and, and, uh, they struggle with the same types of things that we do. You know, how do you balance being a mom and taking care of your kids and still seeing yourself as sexy or, um, Oh, this was interesting. You know, we see middle East as, as Muslim and not talking about sex and being repressed and wearing the hijab. And yes, they wore those, but then they talk a lot about sex. And these are some of the most passionate people, sexual people. And they were the most expressed in my, in my talk. They were openly talking about their experiences and their struggles, men and women together. So why do we have a perception that they are not talking about this? Do they hide it or are we just not informed? I think maybe both because they, it was told to me that it's, you know, they'll talk about it among their friends kind of thing, but it's not necessarily wide open. And, um, one of them shared with me the concept of an auntie, which is an older woman who talks to the man about how to pleasure a woman or vice versa, talks to the woman and, ta- and how to pleasure the man. And that blew my mind. You know, that's, actually, I, that's really common in a lot of cultures to the point where some it? cultures it's, it's common for a, a male at the, or in a female, either one to take on a lover as said about 16 years old, take on a lover that's older to learn how it's not necessarily romantic, but to learn how to pleasure the, their partner. That's yeah. A, I've heard that with men. I've heard it, I've heard it go both ways, but it's oh. not, it's, I think it just depends on the culture. Sometimes yeah. it is men and sometimes it's both, but it, it's not in that cult, in the cultural narrative. It's not, it, to us, that would be weird and creepy yeah. to sure, them sure. and their, whatever their situation is, it's, it's much different, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, and then I think a part of the images that we receive from other countries are very filtered. So we're given specific images to influence how we see and understand the world. Yeah. And there were some things that, that they were talking about in Bahrain that I had never even known, you know, and, and, uh, even about the history And to me, that makes me feel so guilty, guilty, but also understanding how much is out of my control. Right. You know, I can empower myself and learn about a lot of these things, but still understanding what's most easily accessible to us is like the news media and that kind of thing. And, and it is geared very specifically to give us specific messages. Mm -hmm. So I like so much of what you do because you really take this idea of social programming that we've all kind of gone through in our lives and you strip it down and you help people get to the core of who they are, their desires, their sexuality, and talking to entrepreneurs and talking to people about infusing sexuality in their lives and having that balance and still coming back to your body and choosing yourself while having lots of other things going on in your life. So what was that core messaging for you for this speaking tour of how you can do that? Oh, probably the biggest one and the biggest resistance that I got from people was I don't have time, you know, or we can't find the time for that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really drove it in of, it's not that we find the time, it's that we create the time. And a lot of times when we hit up against, I don't have the time, there's some sort of resistance there. And then I would, I would invite you to look deeper of what could be influencing our behaviors to make it that we don't have the time because workaholics don't just happen. A lot of times it's because we have associated how much we could produce with our own value, or it's to avoid connection and intimacy or out of some sort of fear that we have. Um, or because we don't want to be, or maybe we don't perceive ourselves as sexy or as a sexual being, you know, we see all these images of what a sexual person is supposed to look like. And then we see somebody have sex on TV and we're like, Oh, that's a sexy person. I'm not that, you know? And so we'll do something, whether we're conscious of it or not to inhibit or prevent any of those opportunities to, to be there that might result in rejection. So how do people break free of that shame or fear or avoiding intimacy so that they can have a richer sex life? By going straight into it. (laughs) (laughs) Like we don't, we, we have to feel to heal. Right. And if we keep avoiding 
it's, it's never going to recondition our, the neural pathways in our brain. So we have to create these new evidence to suggest a different belief. Mm. So part of it is first step is awareness you know, uh, observing, witnessing the thoughts as, the, as they're going through our head, observing the safety behaviors that we engage in to be able to protect ourselves. And then we can engage, whether it's in um, self-talk, um, activities to regulate our nervous system. So whether that's breathing or yoga or something to just calm the, the buzz of the body, you know, as it starts getting heightened when we perceive threat. And then communicating vulnerably, you know, hey, this is my internal process. This, this is what's going on to me. And that can help us to regulate as well. And also builds bonding, that connection with our partner, builds a safe container for us to be able to initiate or try some of these things out. Yeah. But ultimately going into it because that's what changes our mind. Mm. We're like, okay, I did it here and it wasn't so bad. Or my partner received me or my partner was there with me and sporting me. Oh, this is actually safe. Okay. It's not as bad as I thought. I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like those times when, um, say we did something or we went through a breakup or our partner cheated on us. And then on the other side, we realize, Oh, that was what I was afraid of. <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. I'm like crying and like my mascara is a mess and everything, but <laughs> I haven't, you know, showered in a week. But if that's the worst that it is, Okay. Yeah. Your worst case scenario, you didn't die and everything's okay and yeah. you can still move on. Yeah. Well, and I think looking at that too, when it comes to awareness and communicating what you're feeling, what you're experiencing and just putting it out there, the first time you do it is going to be the most awkward time. Mm-hmm. It's like sex and driving a car, right? It's just, at first you're like, I don't really know how all this works. <laughs> We're doing the thing. And then it, it just, it becomes a, part, a way of being and just something that, that you, that you can make happen at any point. Uh, and do it well, hopefully, with both of those things, mm-hmm. safely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that getting over the hump of, okay, first I have to be aware of this stuff, then I got to be able to f- articulate what my feelings are, and, and language is inherently kind of limited, so that I have to find the words, or that's why, I think that's where a lot of this podcast like this, and like yours, and books, it just gives you a different like arsenal of language. Like, how can I describe this feeling. I mean, we were at, um, create the love. What's like, what's that guy's name? Mark Groves. Oh my Mark God. Groves. I love him. We I have like great. the biggest crush on him. Don't tell him, but, <laughs> oh, but tell him. I'm like, sending him this show. Yeah, I'm like writing love letters to him and Valentine's. And then even though he has a partner, it doesn't matter. Does he? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, he does so. anymore. They broke up. Oh, a hot oh, minute ago. Clearly, shit. clearly I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but what, Perfect. What I have a shoebox full of them. <laughs> One woman in the audience was talking, she asked a question about getting people out of her life that really, she said, no longer serve, right? Like yeah. no longer serve her. And I thought about that statement and I'm like, how, how long have people been saying so-and-so don't, no longer serves me mm. as, a, as in a relationship, whether it be romantic or plutonic? And I thought about that, that that's, that's an idea that's been shared and spread and, and now articulated by people through media, books, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, become, it's become a cultural narrative that didn't exist five years ago. Yeah. Like how, how many people were saying that five years ago versus now as a, just a phrase or an idea or a thought? And I think yeah. the, the ability to share ideas is so powerful, mm-hmm. but that's where, that's where you get, that's why this like quote unquote self-work is so important because you're, you're developing your ability to communicate through language and experiencing, mm-hmm. experiencing ideas from other people. I think that's so crucial. Yeah. You know what though? I would argue that statement, that exact statement okay. of, you know, release everybody who no longer serves you. And this is to your exact point of like how much, you know, we hear these things and then we become a compilation of all these things, but how often do we not challenge them or oh, think about them yeah. ourselves. Such a good point. And it's like that statement right there, it sounds really beautiful. It fits on a meme and it's like, oh yes, enlightened, right? But then we've created a culture around throwing people away who are actually challenging us. Mm. So we're saying, you serve me. You, you are here for me. Instead of the other way around, or instead of, you know, running into an argument and instead of putting the energy into figuring that out and self-inquiring and figuring out, okay, why in this life, why in this time am I pulling this partner in to learn whatever it is? Um, we just say, Hey, you're no longer serving me and I am choosing my sovereignty and bye. You yeah. know, I'm like yeah. next, yeah. you know, and, and now it, I think it's important for us to define what does relationship mean for me? 
What does intimacy mean for me? What does commitment mean for me? And maybe that'll help us to be able to funnel what it is that we want to create for ourselves. Well, and I think too, that's such a good point. It's we're so scared of stepping into conflict and we're so scared of what people show us. And if you're my mirror and we're in conflict and I don't want to see that about myself. So instead of running for the hills and saying, I just, I'm not going to deal with this. You're toxic. I'm out. It's what is this person showing me? What are they reflecting back about myself that I can now look into? And like you said, ask why, where's this coming from? Why is this triggering me? And then working through it. And maybe once you resolve the conflict or you think through that, then you can kind of release the relationship. But we, in our society, we want to take a pill. We want a quick fix and we want it to Mm -hmm. be over. And it's like, but there's so much juicy goodness in there. There's so much to learn about yourself. Yes. I'm like over here. I'm like about to snap, but I'm like, I don't know what I'll do. That'll do to the mic, but I'm just dancing. I'm like, yes. Well, I think the thing is to, in that, just use that example, just build on the, this person's no longer serving me. Are you the type of person who is generally avoidant, right? Are you, are you avoiding something this person's trying to show you? Are they being genuine with you and being honest with the way that they're viewing the way you're behaving? Like that's context outside of yourself. That's incredibly valuable. If that person is, is treating you with respect. And I think the respect is the thing there, right? If you're not being respected, you don't feel appreciated by the people around you. Well, yeah, that, that, if that's what you mean by serving, that's one thing. But if this person isn't just, isn't just confirming all of your bullshit that you want to put into the world and letting you run around without any accountability, well, that, that's, that, that is a service. Like somebody keeping you in check is a form of service. Mm-hmm. So if you want to live, and that's the thing, we're, as a culture, pretty fucking soft. <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they're haters. I'm like, well, I think they're just... I think you're being kind of an irresponsible asshole maybe and they're calling you out on it and that's not hate. Yeah. That's actually somebody who really fucking loves you. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love my friends who are willing to call me out, you know, cause that's where I grow. I'm, yeah. We all have blind spots, including me. I, yes, I'm an expert, but that doesn't mean that I see everything all the time. Right. Yeah. And the more, well, oh, I mean. sometimes, sometimes the funny thing <laughs> about being, I walk around with my own mare, but <laughs> being, a, being an expert in a field in when you're more, the more intelligent you are, the, the easier it is for you to talk yourself out of shit a lot of times. Cause yeah. you have the language and you have the thing and you can kind of use confirmation bias and, and your own kind of self-preservation to then it's like kind of spiritually bypass or psychologically bypass your own issues. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of projection on other people cause you're working with other people and it becomes a tricky, tricky game. And if you've yeah. kind of picked all the low hanging fruit of your personal development, like the easy things, yeah. The other stuff is fucking hard. Yeah. Let it's me tricky. Guess, it's sneaky. Let me guess you're intellectual, aren't you? Me? <laughs> oh, <Yeah. God. laughs> my guy. Girl, let me tell you. <laughs> living with this brain is like such an experience. Well, well you're mean, probably a sapiosexual, right? What's like, that? Oh, you don't girl. know what a sapiosexual is? No. Woman. It's, it's Yeah. It's, it's, here you go. Okay. Take your notes. Um, it is when you're attracted to somebody's intellect. So. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. That yeah. is me. Yeah. Yeah, you get wet off of hearing them talk about it. I literally do, yes. And I like, when Connor and I first met, and this still happens, I don't tell him this often because of his giant ego. But It fuels my my narcissism. I hang on his every word. Yeah. Like I I so long to hear what he has to share because it like fills me up. It lights (sighs) me up. I learned so much from him, which is why I was initially attracted to him. I found him through his podcast and I was just like, oh my God, this man, I want to know everything he thinks and believes because it's so interesting to me and it's such a turn on. He serves you. Yeah. That's what he tells (laughs) you. Oh, he serves me. I want to know, um, cause this is something I struggled with for so long. I didn't want to see myself. I wanted to blame other people. Yeah. I was, I was constantly the victim. Um, sure. they did this to me, this girl did this to me. And I never really took personal responsibility for that and was never really willing to look at my role in things. Well, did you have that experience? And if so, when did that shift for you into where you are now? Mm, that's such a good question. Good Lord. Um, You know, it's such a fine balance, right? Of discovering what is your part and what's somebody else's part and what's the environment's part, because we can fall into two uh, cognitive distortions, personalization, which is, it's all about me. I did this. It's my fault. Something's wrong with me. I'm not enough. Or we can blame, which is everything on everyone else and the um, victimization, the environment, everything except me, right? Both of them are disempowering. And we've got to remember that everything is an interaction of everything. 
that systematic thinking of the, yeah, of that inter-influence, the alchemy, how I influence somebody else and they react to that thing. So for a long time, as I started to become an expert, I became, I, I at first was avoidant of telling personal stories because I didn't want to come across as a victim and I didn't want people to, you know, see me as that. Um, and yet at the same time, so I personalize everything like that. This was my fault. I contributed to this, blah, 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 blah. And then I realized, I remember the first podcast episode, it was with, um, Amy Jo, woman on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, uh, was talking about these narratives and like speaking up for our narratives and finding our voice. And, you know, these stories are important to share so that we can connect with them, you know, and get permission from other people of like owning that. And it's our story. Nobody else can write it for us. Right. And in that podcast episode, I shared about, um, my, uh, one of my two rapes when I was in my mid twenties and, um, and, and, a domestic violent relationship. And saying that out loud on air was my whole body was just like shaking. Right. You know, and yet she made it so okay for me to own that, not in a way of like, Oh my God, poor me, this is what happened. But I said it in a way that I was like, these are the things that I learned from it. I realized how disconnected I was from my body, even though my body was telling me all these things and I didn't listen. And so that was a good point of my life of, of realizing where I was in my own personal evolution. Mm -hmm. So it's how we tell these stories, Mm -hmm. you know, from an empowered stance, we can look at these, figure out what we gain from them, turn the pain into purpose. And then it's not the victim story and it's not the blaming story and it's not the personalization story. It's empowerment. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great take in yeah. looking at that first, I want to just good on you for being able to share that. That's huge. And I, and I know there's a lot of, and I noticed this in the, in the, I guess, self-help world, there's a lot of almost leveraging victimhood. Yep. It's a great way to make money Yep. at the end of the fucking day. Right. But for me, and I, and I, I try, I think Kelly and I both do this is try and share what I'm going through from the kind of the middle of it. Right. Which can be messy But it's never, I do my best to never make it about this is what's going on. This is what I'm struggling with. And that'd be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It's like either this is something that happened and here's what I learned from it, or this is what's going on in the sound processing it or working with it or trying to figure it out. And I've been wrong, right? In the, in the process of sharing how I'm processing things, I've been wrong and kind of righted that ship if I could. But I think there's something about that, that vulnerability and being able to, to share in real time versus looking back on something and being like, well, here's my success story. And now mm. it's all sunshine and fucking rainbows yeah. versus this is kind of what the deal is. Mm-hmm. And here's the tools I'm using in real time without the benefit of having the gap between when it happened and now yeah. to then to then kind of create this narrative that makes me look more and more like, I don't know, mindful like a fucking guru. Instead of being the guru, you're, you're able to relate with people. And that's why I started sharing while I was going through things in such a raw way, because I felt like a lot of the people I looked up to as amazing as they are, were so far on the other side Mm. that I couldn't relate. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I'm not there. And you've already like gone through the thing, figured it out. You're on the other side and now you're teaching all these people, but I don't feel connected. And so I really wanted to share where I was. And even I've had the same thing where I'm sharing something and I'm working on it and it's, it's not the best way for me to do it. And then I can share that later and say, I should have done this, or I could have done this, or this is how I altered that route. And I think you do a really good job of that too, but that requires a level of vulnerability and willingness to go there, even when it's raw within yourself and to show people that it's okay. And it doesn't have to look pretty on the path. Yeah. So much of personal development and wellness, we want it to look a certain way, be good on a meme, be able to make a nice little story out of it. And that's that. And it's like, yeah, but it can be fucking messy as hell. Yeah. And that's beautiful too. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I tell myself that, um, I've become really good at romancing my feelings. So um, my friend called me out on it one time because I was like, he called me up. He was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, right now I'm in my sweater and I'm curled up in a ball and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm crying into it. And he was like, and I'm just like, and I'm just thinking of all the feelings and like feeling it. And he was like, wow, that's so romantic. And it was like a, 
Yeah, it kind of is, you know? And so like, yeah, I have messy days and like, you know, it's still figuring things out as we all are. And it's so human. And yeah, like you said, we can connect with that Mm -hmm. versus, you know, the trend that you were talking about, Connor, is like, there's, there's not so much vulnerability in these stories anymore. You know, we can share them. It doesn't bother us. What's vulnerable is the moment to moment contractions that we have. And can we communicate those instead? Can we, you know, call out, oh, this, this thought just fluttered up in me or, or, um, the other day I experienced jealousy and I, so I was like, Ooh, I feel that in my body, you know? And I launched a jealousy program, online program. And so I sat with this and I felt into it and I asked myself the questions and, you know, all these things, but just because I'm an expert doesn't mean I don't have the same human experiences that everybody else does. I'm curious when those things pop up for you, when you're able to track it and ask yourself why and really get down to the core belief of what's triggering the insecurity, what those look like for you and where those, like those wounds are that are causing those triggers. Mm. Oh my God. You're so good with these questions. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a samiosexual too. <laughs> Connor, you can leave now. <laughs> We're good. We're taking care of. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so I have this process of, um, I journal a lot and I love journaling. It's like, that's my romantic part. I get out my journal, and my pen and I curl up and it's, it's really cute. Um, and, uh, one of the practices that I do is I, um, invite all the parts of me, all the voices that are inside of me to my boardroom table. And I have everybody have their own say. So all the voices that are going through my head, I write out whatever it is that they're saying. And then in that I can, I can see, I, it helps me to zoom out more and everybody feels seen and acknowledged. So it's the quiets that enter like, pay attention to me. And I'm able to see, okay, that's my wounded child. When, when did I last feel that? Or when was the earliest time that I feel that? Um, and, and a lot of it can be connected, not always, you know, and let's not fall into the trap of, I have to find a source of where this came from. No, it doesn't matter. A lot of times to be able to process emotions, all we need to do is just hear them. Mm. And then the power of, of the, you know, needing to be heard can quiet the mind chatter can quiet because you you see it Mm. and then it the other things fall away and whatever you're you know the um whatever you want to call it higher self or more clear rational or um part of you speaks through and is like oh actually see this is coming from all these other conditionings that aren't where i want to be I like that. I had a woman on the, sh- on my show yesterday. Her name is Sam Stinson. And we had this conversation where she said, cause for me, it's like, there's me and then there's another version of me, but she said she has lots of versions of her and she yeah. feels like she's many, many people. And so the, there'll be uh, the little girl who wants to play and there'll be the woman who wants to be sexual and all these different versions. And so she allows them all to speak and she'll ask whoever it is that she's feeling anxiety. And if it's the little girl who wants to play, she's like, okay, what do you need right now? What can we do? And she, the way you said you write down all these voices that you're hearing, she addresses them each personally. And this sounds like you have multi multiple personality disorder, <laughs> but I actually really resonated with that because I, I was trying to just put it in one box. Like there was, there were two versions of me and that was it. But what if that wasn't the case. What if there's lots of versions of you that need lots of different things? And what if you put in the effort and energy to address each of them separately? So then you could acknowledge all parts of you, maybe some of them that have been suppressed and let them all speak up so that you can, um, you can be who you want to be in every single way and feel heard in Mm -hmm. every way. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the quicker way to be able to process Yeah. Yeah. that and feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, we initially go straight to thinking as a way to process, but we have to remember our mind makes up all these kinds of stories that aren't necessarily true. But one of the quicker ways to be able to process emotion is go into the feeling of it, Mm -hmm. go into the exact location of the body that it is, breathe into it. A lot of times um, images and thoughts will arise from being in that space. 
Um, but that, or, you know, complete the stress response cycle and go exercise or go breathe or, you know, go do something to, to, to complete that. But yeah, we just sit and we ruminate and we just go around in the circles and we don't actually pay attention to it. And then like four hours later, we didn't get anywhere. (laughs) Like, I'm still just as mad as I was, you know, and now I'm exhausted. Yeah. 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 You know, one thing you said earlier, I thought was really great. And it actually came up at, um, at a retreat that we recently did. And you were talking about giving the different parts of yourself a seat at the board table. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At your boardroom table. And we recently had this retreat and, and it was a theme that I was noticing with people. And it kind of came up was, do you give your darkness a seat at the table? Do you give the the parts of yourself that you're ashamed of, that you're hiding from the world, that you would rather not see input in the way that you live your life? And the question or the answer oftentimes is no. And, and to me, the 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 kind of barrier between you and that is shame. But we also like don't we don't want to acknowledge that there's really fucking powerful information in that part of ourselves. It's just as important as anything else. Now we've, we Mm -hmm. may have demonized it with our conditioning, but there's so much in that if you can learn to fucking listen. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm curious if you've noticed that the patterns that have been created from that denial in yourself or something that you've, that you've worked through. Yeah, actually. Um, so there's this concept called shadow work and -hmm. it's going in and taking a look at these parts or, or, you know, working with somebody to help you undercover, uncover the blind spots to be able to accept these parts as part of you. I say 2019 was um, the <laughs> friendship to my anger. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I never had a good relationship with angry anger. Um, as a small child, I had a lot of anger, uh, and part of that was from some some trauma early on and that kind of thing and manifest into that. Um, but then after that, I would completely shut off from it. I would avoid conflict. Um, actually when I would come into conflict with somebody, I would panic so much. I would pass out in the middle of the conflict. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the, um, polyvagal theory, uh, reaction of my body. It's like the possum playing dead. You know, your, your body goes into that freeze moment and would just, my body would just shut down. Now I've become really good at communicating right now. I'm experiencing anger. I did this, (laughs) I did this uh, a few months ago with my sister. We live together (laughs) and, um, I don't know. She's pissed me off and I was like in a mood and I (laughs) was just like, right now I'm experiencing anger right now and I'm raging. And I was like, I understand that right now you just want to be seen and I'm not seeing you. And I, and, 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 and I'm feeling not seen by you and it's causing us to be in this and we're not seeing each other. And then I was like, and then as I was talking that, and I just felt myself calm down more and more and more. And it was only because I acknowledged and claimed that I was raging. <laughs> well, it's a fun, it's, it, anger is an interesting one because we do, that's one of the most often labeled negative emotions, but Especially anger is for women. as healthy of an emotion yeah. as, as you can as any emotion. Yeah. And they're all temporary. They ebb and flow. That's kind of the point. There's an impermanence to the feelings that you have, yeah. but the acknowledgement doesn't, doesn't do you any favor. Just not acknowledging them doesn't do you any favors. Right. It festers. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that emotions are our body communicating to us and trying to get us to pay attention to something. They so. will make themselves heard. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Even if they make you pass out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you find that, um, there's sadness and fear under the anger? And that the anger is like a mask for that. Yeah. So some theories say that some of them do. Um, you know, I've experienced anger where there was no hurt. I was just raging, you know, and just, um, and I wouldn't say that I was sad underneath that. So I think it just depends on what theory that works best for you. Yeah. 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 And that's something we have to remember is like, there's all these psychological theories that are out there and which one is right. I don't know, because humans made them, mm-hmm. you know, so find which one most resonates with you. Well, and I think that's when the self-awareness and being able to get quiet with your body is the most important thing you can do yeah. because being able to ask, what is this? And maybe not getting to a root cause or an answer, but finding where it is in your body and allowing it to do what it needs to do to really sit with that feeling and to either let it go or to continue that process. Um, but for me, I have always found 
found that underneath that anger, there's so much fear and sadness. And if I let myself experience the anger to its full capacity, I will finally get to the tears and then the tears will not stop coming for so long. And then after that, there's such a sense of relief because there's something so deep within me that is being covered by this anger because I'm just so scared or, or so sad about this experience. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. I think that process is super important. Yeah. 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 To be able to sit with it and allow the process to be and unfold however it needs to. I'm curious how you got so deep into sexuality and why this has been your life's work at this point. You just stole my question. Sorry, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys are mind reading. Got it. (laughs) Y'all don't need to communicate anymore. (laughs) It's all the shiny. So I, from, uh, you know, experiencing some sexual trauma early on and manifesting into depression and eating disorders for 11 years from you know, the time I was 13 and through college and, um, started and then also in my mid twenties again. So I really struggled with relationships. I ended up developing more of a dismissive avoidant type of attachment, uh, which means that I had a really hard time attaching to people. I had a really hard time like attuning to people, uh, you know, um, so relationships would last like two weeks you know, and touch was really scary for me. Yeah. I would, you know, anytime a partner, a lot of times I would be drunk, you know, or anytime a partner would, you know, start touching me a certain way and I would get that fluttery feeling in the body, I would freak out and just like shut it down. So started studying and teaching yoga when I was 20. And that was the first time that I felt my body feel safe, like just relax. I think I was 18 when I took my first yoga class and I was like, oh my God. And Shavasana, like, whoa. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started teaching it and that was my first beginning of healing and realizing that I could feel differently. Now, mind you, that embodiment would last, you know, an hour, maybe two after the class. And then I'd be right back into anxiety and disconnection from my body, trying to control it, like all that, you know, jazz. And, um, I was a junior in college when I read this red, do you remember red book magazine? I don't know if it's still around. No, no idea what that it was is. a women's book, you know, like a women's magazine and they were quoting a sex therapist and I was like, Oh my God, you can do that. Like that as a job. Now <laughs> I had never had sex before, you know, like, oh, I was right. like, but I'm going to be that. You know? <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. So I went into it, you know, wanting to heal and fix myself and understand relationships. So I got my doctorate in marriage and family therapy. And then it was one of those stories of like, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And I just, happened to have the most amazing humans show up in my life, teach me, like take me on as apprentices and teach me, you know, in-depth Reiki energy work, you know, yoga, mindfulness, quantum physics, you know, all these Tantra, all these things to help me realize that this was a multi-layered experience. And for true healing, it doesn't happen. Just talk therapy for some people it can, um, but to invite the body and to invite the energetics in there. And it's, There's so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting too. Connor and I went through somatic therapy um, and we did the sexological um, somatics. And for me, I never understood what a role sexual suppression, sexual trauma plays in our lives and the way it sits in our body and can really take over and for me, it manifested in chronic illness and I was really sick for a long time. And Connor and I have talked a lot about our own shame with our bodies and our sexual experiences. And he came from a very religious background. And so there's all these layers of sexuality. And I, I think the beautiful thing of what you do is you have this talk therapy background as well as the the sex aspect of things. And I think that for most people, they don't realize that there's an opportunity for both that you can talk about it, but then you can also invite the body and that you can also go through all of these layers. And when you invite the body and when you get connected back with your body, it will tell you exactly what's going on. Because I think for a lot of people, we don't have the words to describe things. So talk therapy can be very overwhelming because we don't know what to say. But if you allow your body to speak for you, that's where you get to the, the real truth of your experience. Yeah. Yeah. The body remembers there's a, um, an intelligence of the body and it holds onto it. And we build these receptor sites of, of stress you know, chemicals in the body in different parts, which is what creates the pain or chronic illness or autoimmune disease and that kind of thing. Yeah. 
That's so good. You know, I find you're smart. Oh, very smart. Thank you. And you're cute. <laughs> thank and you're, you. Uh, I would imagine a, a sexually empowered woman. Do you, is that, does that make dating challenging for you? Yes and no. Yeah. I mean, yes. cause it, obviously you're going to, I would think there's going to be some high level discernment. You're going to, uh, the most of the fields just immediately fucking not considerable. Right. <laughs> so you've already, you've made, you've like drawn hard boundaries, yeah. but I can see that a lot of guys would be or women or whatever, whichever, when you're pursuing at the time would be like, wow, this is, a, this is a lot to handle. Yeah. I am a lot to handle, <laughs> but I'm a lot of good to handle. I, I, hey, I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest piece is how much I love myself. Yeah. And so to create the time for developing a relationship, the other person has to, you know, meet me at that level. Um, it can definitely has been intimidating for partners in the past. Cause you know, even in sex, especially in sex, they're like, Oh my God, you're a sex expert. And like all those things. And I'm like, yeah, but I get like hung up in my head too. Sometimes, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, I have things or moments where it takes me a while to orgasm or, you know, I feel less connected with my body because of this, that, or the other. So, um, you know, I have to really make sure one things that I do look out for is if at the beginning of dating them, if they say something like you're intimidating, I know that's a red flag mm. and they're no longer going to see me as a human that they can connect with, but they've already put me on a pedestal. Mm. So there's some things that I feel out for and look for. And also wanting a partner who's, um, at least willing to learn how to be connected with their body. Um, but I'm also probably the hardest part is that I'm non-monogamous. Mm. So that can be really triggering for people. And I'm so willing to be there and hold them in their process. And, you know, I communicate so well and it's not what everybody wants. You know, it's not what everybody wants to sign up for. So, um, I have to be okay with, all right, we're not a fit. I feel like non-monogamy from my experience to be being around it a lot. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. I guess that's what scares people off. Even if they're open to the idea, it's, it's almost like having another part-time job because you're always having to talk about something. Yeah. Right. It's stuff's coming up all the time. It's a lot of process. You got to be really willing to jump into processing this shit on a regular basis. Yeah. It depends on where you're at. Oh, because absolutely. I have, I have a couple, a couple of lovers and it's so easy, so easy, but we've also done all, you know, we've done a ton of work mm -hmm. and, um, one of them, they, that's what they wanted to. So it made it easier to be able to navigate what, you know, when we hit up against roadblocks. Um, and then the other one, it wasn't so much, but they've done so much work on themselves and they communicate so well and they're so connected with their body and you'd be able to talk things through. So it really just depends. Yeah. Yeah. It always just depends. It always just depends. <laughs> yeah. When did you realize you didn't want to be in a monogamous relationship? Uh, probably. I mean, for I've always been curious about it for you know, probably as long as I can remember because I also love women as well. And so being in Missouri, that was not something that, I mean, I had gay friends, but I was just like, oh, I'm interested. Oh my God, she's so hot. You know, and I'd have fantasies about women, but it was never something that I was like, oh, this is, I can actually do, you know? And so- a couple of years ago was the first partner that I had who wanted a non-monogamous relationship as well. So I really got to explore what that was like to fall in love with multiple partners and that kind of thing and, and invite women and, and, um, uh, into our container. And, and that was really beautiful and how well it can work. And so it's something that I, that I want to continue on with. I don't know what, ever form that'll take because every single person it's been different mm -hmm. and it's not something that, you know, I don't identify as poly. I don't identify as, you know, a, a single form of it. I just identify as I'm just not traditional, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just gonna be what it, what it is fluid. Um, and, and I also think I, I, I know what underlies activations you know, like trigger moments. So I'm really good at attuning people and feel reading into them and asking the questions to, to uncover whatever their hum, basic human need is. Mm. So that has really helped me to be able to, and I think that also helps with the, you know, the navigation of it all. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise sometimes we just, the, the issues arise when we just hold firm our reality and project onto the other person and we don't pause and, and like, have effective ways of getting in and, and seeing them in that. Yeah. I think that 
if you're okay with me sharing this, I think you are. Um, sure, I'm fine with it. So uh, a couple <laughs> Too weeks, late. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, I talked about being bisexual and that's something that I just realized in the last like six to eight months um, in our relationship. And we've talked a lot about how we've navigated that. And I think that for me, I'm always someone who wants to label everything. And I really needed a label for what our relationship is, what it means for me to be attracted to women and how can I put this in a box so that it makes sense to me. And I, I have so much anxiety talking about this. Stuff. <laughs> um, it's so funny to like notice that, but I think what I'm learning from this is that there's so much gray area of possibility. And so if you just sort of melt into the allowance and being in a state of allowing and receiving and knowing that you don't always have to have an answer and it doesn't have to play out uh, and there doesn't have to be a future projection of what that means or will look like. Mm -hmm. That has really helped me understand that it's okay to be in this place of flux yeah. and curiosity, yeah. which is very new for me and very scary. But we've talked about he, he was joking with me. He says, you know, you're in an open relationship and I'm not. <laughs> and that really triggered me. Like we got into a whole thing about it and it really bothered me. And I, so I understand a lot of why it did because I, I judged open relationships for so long. And I was like, that's Should disgusting. Who the fuck does that? Like what's wrong with you? And now of course I find myself in it. Duh. But, <laughs> um, what I thought was interesting was so coming to LA uh, one of my girlfriends who lives here is the first woman that I ever hooked up with and yeah. we did it together. And then I ended up having my own experience with her when we were in Denver, but she lives here and he was like, go like, do your thing, do whatever you want. You know, you have, you know, completely open. I support you. And I was like, okay. And so I felt like really good about doing it. And I got here and we were kissing and all of a sudden my whole body just said no. And it was like, absolutely not. And all I wanted was for Connor to be there. And I was like, where's Connor? I want Connor. This is not right. I don't like this. Yeah. And so it was really interesting for me to respond to my body and listen to her and give her what she needed. And I just looked at my girlfriend. Luckily she's one of my best friends. And I was like, I just need to tell you, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety right now. And I really need to call Connor. Beautiful. And I walked outside and I called Connor and I said, this is how I'm feeling. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And, he, and I said, I feel like I'm betraying you. I feel like I'm doing something really wrong and I don't like this feeling. And he was so sweet. And he was like, you're not doing anything wrong. I love you. Like, it's okay. He said something like, follow your desire. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I love you so much. Yes. <laughs> but I came back in and I told, I'm just like, I can't do this. Um, I bring all of that up to really ask you, knowing all of that, and I think that this is probably a common thing for many people, how, how do you see to best navigate a situation like that where there is curiosity, but there's also so much fear and there's also so much societal programming and it is a non-conventional relationship and that's kind of where we are. I'm just curious your thoughts and input on that. I know that yeah. was a very long tangent. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was so beautiful. And what I love is that you fully honored your body mm -hmm. because the moment that we ignore the body is one of the greatest betrayals of ourself, you know, and, and especially we can self-talk, we can be in our heads and be like, this is okay. This is safe. This is, you know, all this stuff. But if the body's saying, no, 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 we're only further creating that betrayal and disconnect from our body. Mm -hmm. you know? So it can be, I think I see sexuality as fluid. You know, I don't see it as binary. It's not one or the other. And it changes depending on what state we're in, the stress levels that we're in, the time of the year, like it always fluctuates. You know, sometimes we're more attracted to a person or less attractive or, you know, it, and there can be, programming. I don't know. Everybody is like, you know, fuck the programming, you know, all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like, we're all, you know, compilation of programming. <laughs> yeah. like, you can't just exit out. You're nothing. You'll be like the blob of nothing. Like, you know? fuck, fuck the selective program that I've decided is yeah. not <laughs> adequate. Right. Right. So, but I'm going to ignore that the rest of it exists. Yeah. yeah. So I think I, I always encourage people to, um, you know, self inquire, connect with your body at continuously ask, um, Living consent. Is this okay with me? Is this still okay with me? Was that okay with me? 
Or did this feel, does this feel good as I'm going into it? Does it continue to feel good? Did that feel good? So you're constantly checking in with yourself. That's a really nice statement to be able to say there. Um, but then also, yeah, you're going to hit up against these moments of like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And it doesn't matter why it doesn't feel right. It doesn't matter if it seems illogical. Listen to your body. Yeah. Pause out. Well, and that's like, the thing too. Like, something could be totally fine one month and then the next month or the next week or the next day, not be, not be okay. Yeah. It just, just, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter why no. just fucking listen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think what I was feeling and I told him this, I said, I'm in a relationship with you for a reason. I don't think that I want to do this by myself. Like it's one thing to invite a woman into our experience and to have that. And it's, it feels very safe for me and we have our boundaries and our communication and we check in and do all that stuff. But the second that's not happening, it's no, that's no longer something I feel comfortable participating in. And I think that's what I learned. And he even said, he was like, babe, this is amazing. Like you learned, like you learned that that's not what you want at this point and Mm -hmm. what a great lesson. And you can take it for what it is. It doesn't have to mean more than that. And it's okay. But I think that that was a huge thing for me because in my mind I thought, oh, this is such a great idea. Mm -hmm. And then to actually live it out was did not feel very good. Yeah, sometimes sometimes <laughs> things in fantasy need to stay right. in fantasy, right? Yes. But sometimes we 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 bring it to reality and we're like, oh, it's not as sexy as I thought. Or mm-hmm. yeah. And I just want to acknowledge you. What a champion for her <laughs> self-growth. I know. He's like I want so everybody good. to really sink that in. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing my my, my appreciate that. And my when she called me, I think I was, was I asleep. Yeah, you were yeah. asleep. And <laughs> I felt so, so like, bad. Babe, it's you fine. can do um, exactly. But the thing was, it was to me, it's all context, right? It's like, well, you learned something. There's nothing to be ashamed about. That right. was my biggest motivator in that conversation was there's just, I mean, okay, it was all good. You didn't betray me at all. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's nothing, there's no issues with me on my end. My, now my concern is you not being ashamed of yourself, chalking it up to a lesson, putting that in your little toolbox and moving on. Yeah. You know, I do want to ask you about what you just mentioned about how desires and fantasies in our heads are not necessarily things that are going to play out in real life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something people get confused about. And ever since I came out, I have had so many women messaging me saying, oh, I've always felt this attraction to women, but I don't think I want to play it out. How do you um, help people understand that you can have a fantasy or you can have a desire and even share it with your partner, but it doesn't mean you actually have to go physically do the thing. Yeah. So I wrote a little ebook guide about this. Cool. Yeah, so I can give you guys the link you can Please put in do. your show notes. Um, but fantasies. So if we think about fantasies are how our brain helps us to be able to uh, figure things out or um, give ourselves some sort of need that isn't being met or uh, create some sort of excitement, you know, in places that in the safety confines of our mind, but that wouldn't be safe externally for whatever reason. Maybe it's because it's not consensual or maybe it's dangerous or maybe it's socially not acceptable, whatever it is, right? So then we can play these things out in our head and still have that satisfying experience. You know, the brain uh, reacts as if we're going through it. So that's why our body gets turned on or that's why we, we can, you know, if we visualize us walking on the beach, we can smell the salt in the air. We call those phantom senses and the body responds, right? So Um, part of it though, is shame blocks our ability to go there. And we have to understand fantasy is natural. Fantasy is not cheating. Fantasy is not something is wrong with you. You know, you're not pathological for having a sexual fetish in your mind. You know, it's, it's, yeah, nothing's wrong with you. Um, in fact, some of the top most common fantasies, the very first one is multiple partnered sex. The second one is BDSM or some sort of dominance submission. Um, Then novelty, so something new that could be a place, that could be a a thing, an act, a position. Um, Then you have things like intimacy, um, intimacy and romance, gender bending, uh, which is the the ability to imagine myself as a man and you, you know, uh, you know, old uh, switching genders. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a man and you're a woman or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's pretty, That's yeah. real interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and taboo taboo is another big one, you know, so engaging in some sort of like, ex, you know, exhibitionism or, um, um, you know, anything that is not socially, you know, quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you advise someone 
to begin communicating their desires or their fantasies with a partner if that's something they've never done before? Yeah. Look at, start out with self-inquiry. So look at your own fantasies. What are coming up for you? And be like a detective, you know, figure out uh, what are the elements of this fantasy that are a turn on for me? So we might uh, just default to a specific fantasy and never really question what it is about it. So then we go to our partner and we're like, I want to, I, I fantasize about by being tied up and being chained and, you know, all this stuff. And then our partner is like, what the fuck? You know, like you were, do you want to bring that to life? You know, and, and not necessarily, but the elements of restraint and the elements of, of um, submission and the elements of something dark, maybe something that, um, we can bring to light without it being, you know, the, the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? So I think by learning those, uh, what those pieces are, or even like we have this idea of multiple partner sex and we have this fantasy of an orgy, you know, and like all these, all these human bodies on top of me. Right. <laughs> and then, but then for some of us, the reality of that isn't going to be safe, you know, cause we might get triggered or it might trigger our partner or something like that. So that could be, maybe it's a, a storytelling fantasy. So it's something that we talk about in the bedroom of, and we, and it's just in the safety of that story, you know? So it's this erotic story that we share, or maybe there's an element of, um, I really just want to be desired. You know, having all these bodies on top of me means that all these bodies desire me. Mm-hmm. So can we take that element and recreate that in our relationship? And how can we do that? So self-inquire, like look at those elements, um, uh, maybe bring in third party objects to start the conversation. So maybe you're watching eyes wide shut and you're like, you're like, Oh, sex party. Have you ever thought about having a sex party? You know, like, have you ever thought about wearing a mask and having somebody fuck you from behind, you know, like, and then it's something else that we're calling out on. And it's yeah. not something that's like you, you know, it'd be like, or you wake to this up. Podcast. Exactly. Right. Hey, did you listen to, did you hear Dr. Kaz say that thing? Like, what do you think? Really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or I had a dream last night that blah, 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 blah. And then you can blame it on the dream, you know? So we can create these ways that help. Yeah. Gauge their reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've definitely had a moment where I was with a partner and I, you know, shared this fantasy and it was a BDSM fantasy and I was like, and then, and then this happened and this, and it freaked the fuck out of him, you know? And he was like, what is that? what is like, this is weird. And it shut me down. And I had a lot more of a difficult time bringing those things up, bringing fantasies up in the future because I didn't know how the person would perceive it because of that one experience. But then I had to, um, you know, gain some skills of communicating and then also becoming more confident in myself and being able to express it. And I've had partners be like, you know, that's not really my thing, but I love that it turns you on, you know? And then, then it's just my fantasy. And I know that it's not something to be shared, but it's just mine. And that that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about you or him or anything. Yeah. Or her or We don't have to make it. I think this is something Connor's taught me. We always want to make something mean something or Mm. create a story out of it. We can't just let it be what it is. And I do that because again, I want a label and I want to understand it and like do the whole thing. Something can just be what it is, including a fantasy. It can just be a thing that you had a, a, a desire for or a dream about, and that's fine. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, with fantasies. We've been fantasizing since we were, I don't know, when you started masturbating, I guess, whenever that was. Oh, even right? before that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for whatever, so it's like you've been doing it for a long time. You're going to start getting, it's just like, I don't, I don't watch porn. I never really got into porn. But I know, you know, as you go further and deeper and deeper down the, ra- the Pornhub rabbit hole, like you get in, eventually you're three hours in and you found some, you're watching some stuff that you would have never considered, right? It's the same thing with fantasy. You get into, well, let me just think about something new. Let me just think about something new. Or let me just, let's let something, some other new idea infiltrate into my. Is that my your experience? Thing. That's been my experience, yeah. Interesting, yeah. That's yeah, not I just, mine. I just try, to, try new things. I tend to go towards the same thing, but then I would wonder your fantasies might be more of the novel type. Yeah. Oh, they definitely. (laughs) Yeah. That's all he cares about is novelty. And everybody's different. Some people don't even visualize the sexual part, but they just, they fantasize about the intimacy, Mm. you know, and they play out this whole romantic scene in their heads. So, and that's what I'm trying to say is like, everybody has a different, different fantasy that they go to or a different category of fantasies that they go to. 
So fun. So fun to play with that and just see see the the variability in us is is what makes us so awesome in the first place. Yeah. Like just that's, that's, that's the fun part. Yeah. And learning about someone else and being curious about someone else. Yeah. Preach. Hashtag. (laughs) Hashtag hashtag motherfucking curiosity. Get curious. That was awesome. That's it. Thank you so much. That was so rad. Are we done? I I think we're done for this time. We'll have to do it again though. Oh, we have to do this. There's so many climaxes in this. It's just like. Mm-hmm. You know, multi-orgasmic. Oh yeah, multi-orgasmic content oh with Dr. God. Kat. Yeah. You're welcome. But Kat, seriously, love what you're doing. It <laughs> really. You. We talked earlier about having language and vocabulary for this work, and I reading your posts honestly has really helped me, and given me a lot of permission to be. No, I'm gonna cry. Be more open, and I'm just really grateful. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry too. <laughs> we love our feelings. Mm-hmm. So romancing our a, feelings. There's a yeah. lot of feelings. Yeah. But thank feelings, you. I, yeah. I mean it a lot. Yeah. I think what you're doing is super important. And I I appreciate your transparency and your, willing to go, your willingness to go there because I think it helps a lot of people. Oh my God, fully received. Thank you. And that is the show. Everybody. Thanks for hanging out. That was really hope fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed all of my... Uh, Raw honesty and tears. <laughs> oh, you did cry. I forgot about that. I did cry. Wow. First yeah. tears in the pod. I know. Juicy, juicy stuff. Make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review, send that review to us for some goodies, some of the goodest goodies out there. And share the love with all of your friends as well. That's you how we grow, that. guys. We need you so bad. We need you to, yeah, just tell everybody, tell your parents. Send this, pod, send this podcast to your mom or your dad. If or your you grandma. swear to goodness, if you send this to a parent or a grandparent and can prove it to us that they listen to the show, I'm going to give you the coolest gift ever. I don't know what it is, but I will go beyond out of my way to make that happen for you. Oh, uh, I think my mom likes it. Yeah, I already gave her a womanizer. <laughs> I already helped your mom get off. That oh, doesn't Jesus count. Christ. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get out of here. Thank you all so much. We'll see you all next time. This show is brought to you by Soulfire Productions.